It's a, a, a truly special time, of course, for us as Christians and uh, for the church as a whole. So people are open to, to hearing good news and you know, excited about the spring. It kind of all comes together. So we're asking you, go ahead and each one, reach one, just find one other individual that you've been praying over, that God leads you to, and invite him to come on one of our services. Um, and then also grab some extra one of these and you know, go ahead and reach one. But if you want to reach 12, that's good too. We'd love for you to do that. Just let people know what, we've come, uh, what we have coming up that's special. And uh, also real quickly too, <clears throat> this afternoon, I believe it's three o'clock. I'm not sure exactly what the time is. But uh, our school of worship and uh, what we call Conservatory of the Arts here at Valley, uh, we have, of course, we're, we're excited about expanding that once we get the new building done, but that the school itself has been moving on this year. And a lot of our young people, our children and young people are being trained in the use of their gifts musically and dramatic arts and uh, painting and other things. And so this afternoon we'll have uh, one of our um, uh, performances for that. And uh, uh, all of our conservatory students will be doing the recital. And uh, so it'll be good. A time of wonderful just entertainment and to be blessed by their gifts. So you can come on by this afternoon. Of course, it's free, and you can enjoy that. Matter of fact, at the end, matter of fact, I'm going to be slipping in there an instrumental that I've been working on on my guitar, and so I'm excited about that too. So come on out. We'll have, we'll have a good time. All right. Well, we are in a series called FaceTime God, Knowing God Through the Holy Spirit. And if you missed last week, go ahead and jump back there when you can. Uh, because laid some foundation for what we're talking about, the importance uh, of and the understanding of the Trinity and who the Holy Spirit is in relationship to the Godhead and why the Holy Spirit is so important to our faith. And not only that, but to our, our, our daily relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, the most neglected of the Godhead, and for many different reasons. But uh, bottom line is I just think we forget and, and we forget the importance. And, and of course, the supremacy of Christ, the Father says here, let me put everything under your feet, son, because you have, you have done it. You have been obedient and you've earned it by your sacrifice on the cross. And then the Holy Spirit comes, of course, to, to uh, bring us to worship and to celebrate Jesus Christ. And so, of course, you know, Understanding the Holy Spirit, connecting to the Holy Spirit, receiving from the Holy Spirit does not diminish Jesus Christ and our worship of the Savior at all. As a matter of fact, it, it enhances it. And Jesus made that clear. So last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit is the parakletos. He is the uh, helper. He is the, the advocate. He, and Jesus said, I'm going to send you another advocate. He says, I'm going away, but I'm sending where the Father's going to send another advocate who was going to happen. And if you look that up, advocate means helper. It means assistant. It means intercessor. It means all those things. And what is so cool, jumped off the page for me, was the assistant side of it. So we talked about like that last week, that when, wherever we go, we have this assistant with us, the Holy Spirit, our senior partner, the one who's, who wants to help us walk this thing. And uh, so he, he, we're learning that the Holy Spirit has been sent and he's given as a gift for all the, those that would ask and believe and, uh, and to do some wonderful things. So we lay the foundation for that and just summarize that very quickly. But today we're going to talk about in part two, the fruit of the Spirit and, and why the fruit of the Spirit of, of the many different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us, why it is so important. And then next week we'll talk about in a two-part of the series of uh, talking about the gifts of the Spirit or the charismata or the grace gifts that are spoken of in the Scripture and how we can enjoy those and, uh, and what they're meant to do. Why are we gifted? 
What's the whole point of this? Well, we'll jump into that today uh, in laying that foundation. So today we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. So where does fruit come from? Well, it's an easy answer, isn't it? It's a tree or a plant that is fruit-bearing. And we know that, that God created this. We believe in the creator God, that, that in God's master wisdom, that he has planted you know, everything that is living on the earth, including us, that he's placed within us the ability to procreate. And so out of the tree comes fruit. But what's amazing about the fruit is that the fruit has many different purposes. And we're going to look at that. But, so, but looking at the essence of what fruit is, the plant grows. And, and, and what we know about observing in the agrarian or garden life is that a tree does not begin to bear fruit until it becomes mature. It has to come to a certain place of maturity before it then begins to produce fruit. And so, uh, matter of fact, I just bought a couple of little trees and uh, I bought them online, so I didn't know how that was going to work out. But, you know, whoever, who buys trees online? But anyway, it came, and they were wet, and they were actually ready to, to plant. And so I put them in the ground, and they're fruit-bearing trees. I had a guy tell me years ago, he goes, I will never plant another tree unless it's a fruit-bearing tree. I was like, that's a good point. You know, I love shade, but man, how about shade and good fruit? Good idea. So I planted a couple of cherry trees. You've got to have two in order for them to cross-pollinate and for me to have cherries, you know? I love cherries. And... Uh, so anyway, I got them, and I've got them in the ground. And, and, but what's the first thing I need to focus on, of course, is the roots, isn't it? Getting the roots into good, loamy soil and wetting those roots, not too wet, not too dry, but getting them in an environment where that tree can begin to do what? Take root and then begin to send those roots down into the soil and go deep, deep, deep. Now, this is the season of the tree that is most important for its root system in order to be built up. Of course, it's a great time of the year to plant because you know, things are just getting started. That's when you want to do it. And so the roots are going down in preparation. And once it takes root, then I got to be patient, don't I? Because it's going to take a few years. These particular trees, they say about three, about three years before it starts producing fruit. And, and so it, it, it's important for it to mature. And so when we think about that, we think of trees that, 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 and we start to make the jump and into our life that that makes sense, that fruit comes as a result of what? Maturity. Fruit comes as a result of being rooted. Fruit comes as a result of its purpose. What is the tree's purpose? To produce fruit, okay? To produce fruit, a fruit-bearing tree, that is. So Jesus then defines for us, and it's kind of a negative thing, but, but it's okay, we'll, we'll get through it. But Jesus is talking about fruitfulness, but he's looking at fruitfulness from kind of a more of a holistic picture, and it's important for us to get that before we move forward into what I, you know, is really going to be a blessing to us today. But in, 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 in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20, we find Jesus talking about fruit. So let's look at it. He says, watch out. For false prophets, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. So Jesus is saying, and he's talking about fruit. He's introducing the whole concept of fruit to the human being because there's an important reason for this, because Jesus will use fruit often in his discourses, but he's also going to use fruit as an analogy to the Holy Spirit. So we'll get to that. But so what he's talking about here is that the fruit, not only from a tree, but also from a life, there's going to be fruit. He's saying, so watch out, 
Because he says, you know, and, and what he's going to show us here is that the fruit is the key to being, being able to understand the difference. Okay? So we live in a culture today where there is a lot of focus on the tree itself, on the beauty of the tree, the rootedness of the tree, and even just, you know, the whole idea that there it is. It's placed in a beautiful place. So we look at human beings. We look at their, we look at their life. And so Jesus is saying, look out, watch out for the false prophets because they got a good word and they dress the part. They look like a, she- uh, a, a sheep. So what does that mean? Well, they look nice. I mean, I've got a, uh, a family member that had 200 lambs born just last week. Can you imagine that? 200 little baby lambs. And out of 200, there was only one little black one. That was kind of cool. But anyway, really cute. But uh, so out of all of that, you've got to have, Jesus is saying, look, these these ferocious wolves are going to come dressed like something cute, something gentle, something kind. But on the inside, they're really a wolf. And he says, how do you know the difference? By their fruit. What comes from their life? What is, what, is the, what, what is eventually going to come? And what's interesting is that it takes time for fruit to come, doesn't it? You can sit there and enjoy the, enjoy the tree. You can enjoy the, the shade of the tree. You can enjoy the, the concept, the idea of a tree. But until it starts bearing fruit, do you not know what kind of tree it is, nor do you, nor do you know that it's even going to be fruitful? So Jesus is in introducing this in, in human beings, and it's important we catch it. He says, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? or figs from thistles. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So wow, even an evil person is going to bear fruit. Just bad fruit. We could say maybe poisonous fruit. Are there not trees that produce berries that you shouldn't eat, right? Like a holly tree or something. They look beautiful, but you eat them, you die. Not a good idea. Even, you know, and so anyway, and, and there's lots of different things that, that go with that, that God provided for us to know the difference between those, which are bad for us and which are good. But so he said, but you, you know, this seems very elementary, doesn't it? Can you talk about, hey, a bad tree? I mean, you, could, you could just see the people listening to him going, okay, Jesus, this seems kind of talking down to us a little bit. But no, he's connecting it to human beings. And when we connect it to human beings, therein lies the challenge Therein lies a greater need for discernment because our culture, absolutely our culture right now, is buying into the idea that it's all about the tree and not about the fruit. That we're not taking time to just say, well, what's underneath the sheep's clothing? What's underneath the facade of what looks good, smells good, acts good, plays out good? But what is the real fruit? And I think, friends, that not a lot of us hang around long enough to actually look for the fruit to know what it is that it's actually producing. And Jesus says that. He says, look, you'll know these ferocious wolves that are acting like sheep by the fruit that's going to come. So you got to have a little bit of patience with that, don't you? Because it takes some time to know what the fruit is. He goes on. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Verse 18, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Well, there's a little hope in that. And if, 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 if the tree is good and the roots are good and there's maturity, then it's going to eventually produce good fruit. But a bad tree never will. Never will. And so we're supposed to walk away from that with some caution. We're supposed to walk away with that with what I think you're doing right now in your heart. 
And that is, well, am I a good tree? Or am I a bad tree? Because I don't know that I've produced a lot of great fruit lately. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure that what has come from my life has been all that tasty. Or even people are really seeking for, or perhaps are even running from it. I don't know. We'll come back to that. So every good tree, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Oh, Jesus, you had to bring that up. The whole idea is what happens to the bad tree, right? Well, you know, again, Jesus is saying, look, I'm starting elementary, I'm going to end elementary. And that is, in the end, what we're talking about is what happens to bad trees. Well, if they're not bearing good fruit, they're good for nothing, except to distract and so, so we're talking people here, and I think we have every right to think people because that's the way Jesus started. He said, look, we're talking about people when we're talking about trees. Watch out for the false prophets because in the end, they talk a good game, but really they're ferocious wolves. And, there's, and in the end, to God, there is no good in them. There is no purpose in them, only to distract and pull people away from that which is good. So, but the fruit is what we're gonna, we need to really look at here. And... So, now let's make the jump. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, what we're, if we understand what fruit is and all that I've just described here, then it comes as a result of being filled with the Spirit, that our roots are in God, that it is somewhat of a sign, isn't it? That in our belief, in our trust in God, and as our roots go down into Christ and our roots go down to his word, then out of our life will naturally spring, eventually, in maturity, a fruit that is good. That's what Jesus is saying. And so the Spirit of God, when he's in us, is going to produce some fruit. And we need to look at that fruit. We, take, we need to take a minute to look at it. And, uh, you know, because it's so important for us to know what is bad fruit and what is good fruit. Now, if you look at Galatians chapter 5 and do a good study on it, which I encourage you to do because I'm not going to cover it comprehensively today. I'm only going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. But Jesus does say, or actually it's Paul. Paul is comparing the good fruit to the bad fruit. He said there is bad fruit. And he says it's, it's the sins of, of this world. And, you know, so a lot of people, they, they, they don't understand what sin is. And, and they go back and forth. And we, we want to compartmentalize certain kinds of sins. Well, this is not a sin. Jesus said... Jesus pointed it out, but Paul brings it to the forefront and just saying, look, the sins of the flesh are obvious. And he lists them. And he said, you know, this is what it is. Okay, so let's not, let's not argue about it. Let's not, he says, but in, in relationship to that, the fruit of the Spirit. So sin is the fruit of a life without God. These fruit we're getting ready to mention are the result of a person who is in God, who has been converted from a bad tree to now a good tree. If we could really look at it that way, pulling it all together. So the fruit of the Spirit is an indicator of the Spirit's presence. That's exactly right. When I walk up to an apple tree and I pull an apple off of the tree, I know that I've got what? An apple tree. I'm not going to walk up and have that. And you know, somebody reminded me, well, you can, you can graft a peach tree on an apple tree. And I'm saying, look, dude, don't mess with me. All right? I know they can do that. But let's just keep this simple for today, can we? Anyway, yeah. So, but you pull up, you pull the fruit off, you know what you got. That's the way it works. And so, in the same way, 
when we have this fruit that we're getting ready to talk about is an indicator of the Spirit's indwelling presence. This is what you're going to see come from your life. It's what's going to be growing off of your life. It's what's going to be coming through your mouth. It's what's going to be coming through your hands. It's what's going to be coming through the essence of who you are. It's what is going to be produced. So let's take a look at it. What is the fruit? Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, or what comes as a result of the Spirit's presence and influence, okay, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or kindness, I mean, and kindness, but forbearance, long-suffering, another word, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law, what Paul says. He says, look, when those things are flowing in your life, the the law, in the essence of its moral aspect, is fulfilled. Because you're not going to murder somebody you love. You're not going to rob from somebody you love. You're not going to defraud. You're not going to, um, you know, someone you're kind to. You, You see what I'm saying? When, this, when this, this fruit flows through your life, you're going to be a moral person. That makes sense. Absolutely. So Paul, again, compares these to the works of the flesh. But let's take a minute. Let's go over these, these fruit so that we fully understand what they are. And this could be a word study, and I'm going to take my, you know, I'm going to go through these very quickly because we just don't have time, again, to, to do this comprehensively. But let's, let's look at them. What are we really talking about? Well, love. Well, I think we all get that. We all get that love needs to be, you know, one of the primary things. You know, Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that the greatest of these, right? Love. So love. So love is going to need to flow through our life. And what is this kind of love? Well, it's agape love. Agape love is a sacrificial love. Truth is that human beings don't know what love is. We don't know what love is until we know God. Until we know the selflessness of who God is, do we really understand what true love is? And that is laying down our life. That is giving of ourselves. See, we live in such a narcissistic culture today, such a me-focused thing, that love stands out so incredibly different to that when we're really walking in it. As compared to the kind of selfishness that is, well, the phileo, you know, there are other kinds of love, but they're not the God kind of love, phileo, brotherly love, or eros, the sexual love. But, but, but we get confused because we don't mature, we don't grow. But having this God kind of love, this sacrifice, is going to, it's going to be an indicator that a person has been with Jesus. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, love is going to grow on your life. It's going to be in your language. It's going to be a fruit. Joy. Joy is a great word. Don't you like joy? Yeah. Joy, I think, you know, we think of joy as when our team wins the NCAA game. You know, we just think we're jumping up and down, we're joyful, you're happy that it's a spring day. That's all good. That's fine. You know, that's easy like Sunday morning, right? Like the song goes. But it's, it's more than that. It is quiet calm. Did you know that? That's what real joy is. Real joy is like, I'm good. I'm settled. I'm not worrying about tomorrow. I'm not worried about what's going on. I'm not worried about anything. I am just full of quiet calm. I am joy-filled. I am filled with it. But isn't that cool that when we think about being joyful, that's being fruit of the Spirit, uh, filled with, with God, isn't it? And it's a fruit of our life, being real joy, real joy. Now, yes, is it, can it be emotional? Of course. 
Of course, we, we know that that would then be the, the outflow of what a quiet, calm person would be, to just be joyful. But here's the problem. When, when we go out into this world and we're not producing those fruit, we're not very loving, and we're certainly not very joyful. So you walk up with your card and you say, hey, uh, you wouldn't want to come to a service with our church, would you? And he's like, they gave me this card and I'm supposed to give it to you. Um... I don't want to come to a church like that, all right? Because you're not joyful. You're, you're not the fruit of the whole thing. I want to see the fruit of the thing, right? So joy is going to be the fruit of, of the Spirit's presence. Moving on. Peace. Yeah, peace is good. You know, peace is a wonderful fruit. And that is the opposite side. Actually, when you study, joy and peace actually go together. It's the opposite side of the coin. Peace is, again, is that just settled sense of God's got this? That no matter what, peace is more of a, a, a visible and tangible response to chaos. Because we get plenty of that, don't we? You know, we get that. It's, it's peace even when something's happened, even when something's been, you know, torn down in my life, even though I've experienced an incredible amount of damage and struggle. But peace settles in. It's just like... God's got this. Peace, my friends, is an attachment to knowing who you are and where you're going. And, and, and I don't see enough of this, but, but I tell you what, I've been tapping into it, and, and I know a lot of you have been tapping into it, but if you haven't, let me tell you what, what you need to be tapping into when you're, what, what will cause the peace. It'll be this. It's like, you know what, not only does God got this, but man, at the end of this race, I'm going to be with him forever. You know, my pastor used to say that. We'd ask him, how are you doing today? Saved and going to heaven. So, because it really doesn't matter how I am doing today. I'm saved and going to heaven. So, think about this. You know, a lot of us live on this, this, this track where we just run around in life. And it's like, oh, here I go again, man. Another Monday morning. Shoot, is it April, almost April 1st already? Taxes are due. Oh, man, I don't even want to go to the mailbox. I got more. We full of the bills. Is, is, is that my son or daughter calling again? What do they want? You know, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> I mean, talk about the peace drain, right? Heaven, no more bills. No April 15th. No bad phone calls. No bad news. You're going to be in your mansion, as Jesus described. I don't know. Don't ask me about that. I don't know if they're condos. I don't know where they are. I don't know the whole construction situation. You're just, I just know it's going to be really, really good, all right? Just, just do that. So anyway, you know, that's heaven. Heaven is going to be utter, complete peace. I can start drawing on that account now. Why? Because it's hope. What conquers everything? Hope, baby. That's what it is. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to get in this life. I don't know what's coming tomorrow, but I'm saved and going to heaven. And when I get there, the Holy Spirit's going to be there with me. Remember we read that? He'll be with you forever. That's cool. I love it. Peace. Uh, forbearance or patience. That's a good one because we need a lot of it, don't we? Whew, do we ever. We need the patience. You know, so as we go through these, you see, you see these things increasingly are things that we do not generate on our own. Have you noticed that? Matter of fact, we just come up with false patience. So 
really what we're talking about, patience from a human standpoint, all it is, Chris, is me being passive aggressive. In other words, I'm tolerating you for a time, baby, and it looks like patience, but when it's run out, you're going to get all of it. And everybody thinks that's patience. That ain't patience. That ain't patience at all. See, my kids, Andrew in particular, he says, I got five levels of frustration. He's been watching me way too much. But anyway, he said, Dad, he says, when I see first level of frustration, he's like, you know, you got this. You're going to be okay. But he said, but when you go to level two, that's when I need to speak to you, Dad. And he, he, you know, he decides, that's when I feel like I need to come in and say, Dad. And he knows my, the tone of my voice. I mean, that's a kid who's watching. But what scares me is it's five levels. Don't ask me what level five is. I'm afraid to go there. But anyway, apparently he knows. But patience is God coming into us and saying, I'm giving this to him. Whether it be a person, whether it be a situation, that's a fruit. That patience is a fruit of trusting in God, is it not? Absolutely. We don't really, as I said, I hope I made the point, we don't generate this humanly very well. We don't. We need God. Uh, kindness. And then we're just you know, generally being kind. And when we go out into the world, you know, that's what the world needs, doesn't it? They need, we all talk about the world, all the world needs is love, but really it needs a very specific application of what love is. But it needs the rest of the fruit. It needs kind people. You know, they talk about kindness, the old adage of kindness breaking the bone. It's true. Man, have I ever seen it? Because, you know, I know you walk into a situation, I don't know, I mean, maybe you walk in and you're being a little frustrated and people get the first look on your face or they look at you and immediately they stiffen up and they're expecting whether maybe it's a complaint or you're just one of those people that day. You know, people, you know, they're going to be defensive and they're and often going to be resistant to you. But man, try kindness out. Try looking at them and giving them a wonderful smile and say, you know, you did a great job today. Try that, try kindness on for a minute and just see how it changes your life. Watch what it does to others. For those of you in the service industry, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Do you want to help someone who is in your face and who's not being kind? Oh, no. Mm -mm. But, if you're, but if a person's being kind and thoughtful and taking time out to be concerned about you, oh, man, you're going to do whatever you can to make their day good. You're going to give them a little extra special, aren't you? A little something extra. Kindness, fruit of the Spirit. It needs to be something coming out of Christian's life. Don't see kindness as being weak, by the way, because I think sometimes we do. We think that kindness, ah, that's just for the weak Christians. No, it's not. Your Jesus was very, very kind. Now, it didn't make him any less masculine. I'm sorry to say it that way, but that's true. He was a very kind man. Firm, decisive, confronting but always very kind when kindness was needed. Goodness, you know, just being good. Won't go into that one, but faithfulness, of course, just faithful. Being faithful to your, 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 your family, faithful to your children, faithful to God himself, faithful to, to the, the body of believers, faithful to your job, to do what you say you're gonna do. Again, something that doesn't always come natural because anytime selfishness is inserted in what is the core of, of all sin? Selfishness. And when selfishness is inserted into the core of anything, whether it be relationships, whether it be inside your head, whether it be inside uh, anything you do with your money, it will corrupt it. That is our condition. 
We need the Holy Spirit to deposit something different. Being faithful, gentle, gentleness. And then finally, self-control. And self-control, man, whew, I want more of that, don't you? You know, when you think about the passions of your life, we just finished that series about my uh, spirit, soul, and body, and we talk about the soul and the body, and that's where we need self-control the most. We need, self we need the fruit of the spirit. And so when we think of self-control, shouldn't that be, if, if you're full of the spirit of God, shouldn't that be something we see evident in a person's life? Self-control, controlling the passions. And the Holy Spirit coming alongside and saying, you know, enough. You've had enough. Not now. That's something for later. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It is the fruit of the Spirit's presence. Let's talk about the helper who gives the fruit. So what is this just described? Let's, let's twist this a little bit. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And we've talked about it. And we've all, we've, we've all just been through the grinder. I know where you went. We all just said, man, I need, I need to be more patient. I need, and I'm not very gentle. I can see it in your faces. But let's look at something. Where does the fruit come from? It comes from the tree. And what is the tree in our case? It's God himself. So what's amazing is, is that God is all these things. And that's what you have to know and believe before the fruit starts to get inside you. That's what you got to know, man. You've got to know that God is the fruit giver, and it's out of your life that the fruit will definitely come. So when I hang around a certain thing, the more I'm exposed to it, like, you know, talking about Ben wanting to play basketball, you know, I told him early on, I said, son, if you want to learn to play basketball, you got to get out there and do what? Practice. you got to do it, Right? playing the guitar or painting the things that I do, I got to do it. They say, look, three to five hours every day of anything will make you an expert after five years. <laughs> that seems like a long stinking time, doesn't it? But it's the truth. What about our relationship with Jesus? What about the time we spend with God, hanging around with God? Here's the deal. Here's the, the, the big jump I want you to take right now that's going to encourage you is that as you hang around with him, as you get to know him, he is all these things, and you're going to start acting like him. And because you are connected to him, the fruit is going to start growing in your life. That's what I want to encourage you with you right now. Not only is your God all these things, but he's going to place them inside you. Because I know when we look at this list and we think about fruit, we immediately start to think, well, I could be more loving. I could be this. I could be that. Of course you could. We, we all could be. The truth is without Christ as your savior, without him engrafting you, some of us just being dead plants out in the middle of no, nowhere, engrafting us into the, the, the life of Christ and who God is, and then starting, that's the only place the fruit is going to come from. You can't do it yourself. You can't conjure it yourself. As a matter of fact, the scripture over and over again attaches grace to every gift. And what does that mean? It's undeserved. It's unearned. It means that God is going to make you more loving. God is going to make you more kind. God is going to make you more, uh, have more uh, patience, more gentleness, more faithfulness, more peace. He's going to put it in you. 
So it's not a fruit of just your faith. It's a fruit of his work in you. That's important. The reason why I started that way is I wanted to set you up a little bit. I wanted to set you up a little bit because I know where we all go. We all try to think on the inside that these are the things that we try and have to conjure. The fruit of the Spirit is a result of the Spirit's presence, which God gives to you. He says, I am going to send him to you. I'm going to give you a gift. And as far as I understand what a gift is, is it's given without strings attached. That's right. That he is going to give you his Holy Spirit. He's going to give you the fruit of the Holy Spirit because he loves you. Because he's God. He's not giving you more love just because you're a loving person. Did you think that? Is he going to give you more self-control because you're a self-controlled person? Did you think that? You shouldn't. Because none of us can conjure any. (laughs) We can't do this on our own. We all know that. Let's be honest. What we need is an infilling of the Spirit of God to come and start flowing through my emotions, flowing through my character, flowing through my actions, flowing through my words. And the more I hang around with him, who is all these things, the more I'm going to start acting like him. Absolutely. It's the fruit of being planted in the right soil. It is the fruit of the work of God in your life, without question. So let's make the jump. If this list describes God himself, does this not characterize our relationship with him in every way? In other words, he is going to pour this out. When we start to relate to God in this FaceTime experience, okay? Because that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about getting closer to God. And the problem is, I think one of the biggest problems why Christians don't act more, have more of this fruit in their life is because they don't understand that that is who God is first. If you see him only as an angry ogre who is just punishing your life and that you're just having to offer up some kind of a, a weekly you know, uh, offering of going to church every week or that you're, you're, you're just mindlessly following this, this, this God who is, is just demanding your... Uh, your obedience, and you miss it entirely. Entirely. How do I know it's God? Go to your list. He's loving. He loves me. He's joyful. Can you see God being joyful over you? I hope you can, because that's what he is. He is so hilariously in love with you. He's joyful. He laughs just as a father sees his son or his child playing out there in the grass, playing with the toys, putting mud on their face. That's your God. Looking at you going, look at him. He's a mess. But I sure love him. He makes me happy. That's my God. He's peaceful over you. He's not worried about you. He knew you before any day ever came to be, Psalm 139. And that doesn't change from a daddy's perspective. And when it all comes to the gospel, what's the beauty is the the, the whole act of love comes in him sending his only son to die for you and me to fix that problem. Oh, he's at peace. Forbearing, is he patient with us? Thank God. Thank God he is. Very patient with us. Very patient. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Aren't you glad? I am. Kindness. 
Yes, he's kind toward you. He's good toward you. God's goodness, what he has in plan for you is all good. Every good, every bit good. Good, good, good. It's all, it's, every package, everything that comes in and out of your life is going to be, going to be uh, labeled good. Now, it doesn't always look good at first because we don't understand. But God is saying, look, I got to remove you out of this bad situation to get you over to the good one, you see. So, you know, we know how that works, being parents or uh, in a situation of authority or whatever. Sometimes you've got to correct in order to get to where you've got to go. Police officer will certainly remind you of that. Morning. And that's the way they should start. We've got a police officer. I, I just want to encourage you. Come up and say, look, I'm your greater good today. Just trying to help you. That would help, wouldn't it? Gentleness and self-control. Yep. God is self-controlled, isn't he? Self-controlled concerning you. This is all God. Now, folks, let's finish with this. What is... So the Holy Spirit's leading. I'm going to finish this getting to the notes. The Holy Spirit's leading his counsel, his directives, his encouragement and end game will look, smell, and lead towards these fruit every single time. Every single time. If you want to know it's God, just go through your list. Does it match? Because the enemy of your soul and even your own drivenness will not look like these things. So what is the ultimate purpose of fruit? Well, let's remember, what does fruit have inside it? A seed. That's exactly right. The fruit or the, the purpose of fruit, well, in a, in, in a human sense, is to enjoy the fruit itself, but it's also to take those seeds and do what with them? Just cast them. Just go ahead and let them do what they're called to do. And that is to germinate and start and make more fruit. In every single person, in every single thing that God has created, including us, it's about procreation. It's about not only enjoying what God has given, the fruit of our life, but also the fruit that comes from our life. So does God give us fruit just for us? When we're talking about the Holy Spirit here, does the God, does God, so Jesus said, I'm going to give you a gift when I come. He's going to pour out his spirit upon you. He's going to give you a gift. But what is that gift for? Well, for me to enjoy, yes. But more than that, and Jesus himself taught this. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Wow. There it is. He has loved us. And he said, I have poured the seed of my love in your life. Now do what with it? Give it away. Sow the seed. That's what it's for. If Christians, we are not experiencing the kind of healthy, wonderful relationship with God, it makes sense that we wouldn't have a very fruitful life. But the more we're connected to him and getting the download of his love, his joy, his peace, his faithfulness, all the wonderful things coming into our life, we understand it, then it's going to be overflowing from us and naturally flows into other people's lives, beginning with our family, then going out into the people that we see every day at our jobs. It, it, it's just the way it's going to be. And that is why Jesus going all the way back to, the, to say, you will know a good tree by its fruit. We're supposed to take that knowledge and not can be condemned, but we're supposed to take that knowledge and just say, I need more face time with God. I need to get to know him more. If I want more life, love coming out of my life, I need to know him. And I need ultimately, which is what the series is all about, is to ask the Holy Spirit to come 
and to fill me, fill me. That sign and seal, the sign to everyone around me that I am a believer, that I am connected to God. I do know him because you see him in me. He says, go and love. Now, I love Acts chapter one. You saw the verse up on the screen. This tells us the ultimate reason. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I like that. But he says this as to why. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to give you this Holy Spirit. And he's going to fill you all with these wonderful things. And it's going to start with the fruit. And it's going to be an indicator to yourself and to others around you that you are connected to me. But it's not going to be just fruit that you yourself eat. It's going to be a very powerful thing that begins pouring out of you everywhere you go. Do we have examples of that in Scripture? Absolutely. I'll finish with this. Acts 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, Ordinary men, they were astonished. I love that word. It wasn't they were impressed. It was like, oh, they took note. Astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Talk about a testimony. Talk about fishermen. Had no no training, no nothing. But they stood there before the Sanhedrin with incredible confidence, incredible awareness of the word of God, incredible awareness of who they were in God. Amazing stuff. They were astonished. How does that happen? The spirit of God. When it came into those men, it took a coward and made him into a courageous lion. It made him the ability to stand before the most intimidating religious experience a human being could have. They could beat you, and, and they did, actually. And they stood there with great confidence and great peace and said, Jesus is Lord. He's changed our lives. We spent time with him. Our hands touched him. He was loving. He was kind. He was faithful. He was gentle. He was good. And above all, he is the way, the truth, and the life. How does it happen? <laughs> it's what God does in us, my friends. So God wants us to have more face time with him. That's where it begins. And God is going to start pouring out his fruit. But what did we learn about the Holy Spirit? We've got to ask him. Amen? So let's stand up this, this morning and let's do it.